Please stand if you're able and join me in the call to worship. When we stumble and our faith falters, God's faithfulness bears us along. When our daily duties distract and our visions grow fuzzy, God's faithfulness pierces the fog to beckon us. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church. It has been a warm week and uh, I know that some of you are are weary from all the heat that we've experienced uh, this past week in our, as you've been about and to work and other places. 
So come here, and now we can rest in, in God's presence. We can lift our voices in praise. We can hear the word read and prayed and also hear the word, word proclaimed. So we welcome all who are here. For those who are a guest especially, we welcome you. Uh, if, if you are a guest, we want you to know that you have, been, uh, you have come to a place that desires to know you and to welcome you with arms open wide. For all of our members, too, it's good to see you. Having been away a week, you uh, tend to, as Dr. Roxburgh, I think, would say, you know, you, you begin to, even a week, miss the folks that you see every week. So it's good to be back with you today. Southside Baptist Church, of course, is a church in the heart of Five Points South, building an inclusive community of grace first in this community and then beyond. And a part of that is to welcome folks and to greet them and to share the love of Christ, the presence of Christ that we experience day in and day out. So today as we do that, we would like to pass a piece of Christ. And then after that, as you're in your pew, take the blue tablet at the end of each pew and, and write your name in there if you're here today. And if you're a guest, let us know that you're here and we will uh, be keep you in our prayers and also follow up if you desire us to do so. So if you would, please uh, take a moment and pass a piece of Christ by greeting those that are worshiping with us today. We also welcome those who are worshiping with us by live stream, those who are here today. My uh, live stream, many of you are here each week, and we welcome you, and we hope that uh, in this time of service that you will find your spirit uplifted as well. As you find your place, let's bow together as we uh, offer prayer of invocation this morning. Oh Lord, we gather in this sacred space as your people, as your children. We come to lift our voices in praise and adoration. We come to offer to you our worship. We ask, O oh Lord, that it would be pleasing in your sight. We know, O oh Lord, that you are here, for you are with us in every event of life in all places. We especially ask that you would bless this time of worship. We offer it to you, and in your name.
Our first reading today is found in the Psalter, the 90th Psalm. I'll be reading verses 13 through 17. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favorite of, our, of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Here ends our first lesson of Scripture. second reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, and reading the first 11 verses. In honor of the words and the story of Jesus, will you stand for the reading of the Gospel? Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's see if we can get all these things down here. 
Well, it's good to see you today, all of you, all six of you that are here. We're glad that you're here. Uh, the, um, some of our folks are away uh, one last time for before school starts, and others are uh, not feeling well today. So we'll hope and pray that they get better. But I wanted to talk to you about something today that that uh, we have downstairs in the hallway. There's some uh, a series of, of printed uh, photos that were made and put up downstairs, and they're about um, part of our mission effort around the world. Back when we went to the Corporate Baptist Fellowship meeting in Birmingham, this is an organization that we help uh, by sending money through and are part of, they uh, offered to send these prints around to the various churches that wanted to uh, display them. So we signed up and they're ours for a month. And so what I wanted to do was to show them to you and tell you about them, but also tell you that you can go down there and look at all of these and to see them and to learn about what all of our efforts go into as far as the, uh, the work of missions. These are only a couple that are, that are down there. So this one actually is of a Roma boy, Slovakian, and uh, he is um, in the community there in Kosovo and uh, Slovakia, and, this, and he is there able to go to school and to learn and also to find a place of belonging. And there's all kind of opportunities in that region that the commissions that we give to help provide. This is a picture of some missionary pastors, really, in, um, Kent, in uh, India. And what do you see that they're holding? What are they standing beside? What now? A bike. They're standing beside a bicycle. Now, why do you think they have a bicycle there? I don't know. You think you're just going out for a little fun, ride around? Actually, the CBF um, missions has helped provide bicycles for them, and this is how they get from village to village. Now, if you had to ride from village to village on a bicycle, um, you might, we might want to find another job, hadn't we? But they do that, and they go, and, and by being able to travel fa uh, to these places, they can go and, and minister to those families that are there. So every year when we give money, every week we give money, somewhat goes to them, some of it goes to them, but especially in the fall of the year, we'll be giving a global missions offering, and it will um, provide all, it all goes to the missions efforts in these various places. So if you haven't been able to, to go down there and see it, you probably saw it this morning. Did you see some of the pictures on the wall? In the Brennan Hall and then down the hallway, there's a display and there's an explanation beside each one of them that explains what they are. On Wednesday night, I haven't talked to Dr. Roxburgh about this, but hopefully during the dinner hour, before we start his study, we can do a um, little sort of scavenger hunt. Basically, you take a, a list with a description and you go find the painting, the print that fits that, that describes that. And it'll be a lot of fun for us to learn a little bit about them and what goes on in missions. So even though we look around and we say, well, you know, what can I do to help other people? How can I help people in my community? How can I help people in my church or around the world? By giving to missions, that helps. It helps a great deal. And we can learn about them and what goes on. And who knows, one day, one of you here might be called to missions to go someplace like this and to minister 
uh, as a missionary or even as a pastor someday. So we'll pray for you and your growth, but also for these that are there that, that God will continue to provide and that we would learn more about what ways we might be able to support them. So let's give thanks for, them, for the, all the missionaries, but also for how we can help them and also that we will learn more about them in days to come. Let's bow together. Lord, we thank you for these children here, for those who aren't able to be with us today. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to teach us all about ways that we can help in carrying forth your kingdom's work, whether it be in our neighborhood or our school, around the world, in our city, wherever it might be, that we can have a part in ministering to other people by sharing the love of God to them in all that we do and also through the ways that we speak to them and treat them uh, throughout our lives. Bless these here today in Christ's name. Amen. join me in prayer this morning. Gracious God, we thank you that you are our parent, our lover, and our friend. A triune God, God who is all in all, the one who is our wholeness and our protection. By the invitation of your grace, you invite us to come before you this morning. And we thank you that we can come. We can come to lay down before you the burdens that we bear the suffering we endure, the issues with which we wrestle, sometimes the memories of past wrongs, hurts, shame, and failure, but also with a sense of anticipation with regard to the future. You are the one who walks with us day by day. We come this morning to pray for others. We pray for those whose lives are sometimes marred or diminished by prejudice or poverty. We pray that you would help us to feel the pain and the suffering of others and guide us as to when and where we can help people in need. We pray for our leaders, pray for the president, secretaries of state, members of Congress, all who serve our country, city, and this Five Points community. Grant all wisdom that they may seek justice in all things, compassion, they may help those who are suffering from disease and grant help to those who are the most vulnerable within our societies. We pray for all who seek to be peacemakers. We pray for those in divided situations in different countries. We think of the continued unrest in Hong Kong and pray for peace and for justice to be established there. We ask a special blessing upon the Holy Land for an end to violence and a new day and a new dawn on the soil in which our Savior walked. Eternal God, we, we pray for those whose lives are blighted by loneliness, for all today who are facing possible bad news, for those who are anxious or hurting, unable to sleep, who find little comfort. And we pray for those who are dying and for those who are bereaved. We give thanks and pray for our loved ones departed, 
for those who inspired us and shaped our lives. We look forward to the day when one day we will sit at your table, forgiven, restored, at the feast in your eternal kingdom. Grant peace and may all rise in glory. These prayers we offer in the Savior's name, the one who taught us to pray with confidence and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
William Cooper, who wrote these words in the 18th century, was an English poet and a hymn writer. Born in 1731, he died in 1800. He was a contemporary of John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, and of George Whitfield, the evangelist, leaders of what's often called the Great Awakening in both Great Britain and also North America. Cooper said that he could remember as a child going to a place in London called Moorfields and saying that it was full of lanterns of worshippers as they waited to hear George Whitfield preach. He lived through the American and the French revolutions. His poetry was known by Benjamin Franklin, who gave his first book of poems a very positive review. He was one of the great popular poets of the time. He began what some people think was the beginning of the romantic poetry movement. Samuel T. Coldridge called him the best modern poet, and William Wordsworth was particularly struck by one of his poems. His poetry gave the English language the famous phrase, God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. He also wrote many anti-slavery poems, one of which, The Negro's Complaint, was often quoted by Martin Luther King Jr. during the civil rights period. And yet the life of William Cooper was marred by tragedy and Great Depression. He lost his own mother at the age of six. His father, to try and cope, sent him to a boarding school in which he was rather miserable. And he suffered from what we would describe as mental illness. In the 18th century, there wasn't much treatment for such people. And he, was, he spent uh, two years in an asylum from 16, 1763 to 1765. He developed a friendship with a particular individual called John Newton. You may know Newton because he was the author of Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. And he took Cooper into his parsonage in Olney, a village in England, for some time. And often every day they would meet to discuss and to write poems and to write hymns. And they composed a new hymn book that, that composed about over 300 of their own hymns, of which this was one. Oh, for a closer walk with God. It was written to remember a lady who was ill, who had become Cooper's adoptive mother after his own mother had died. He put a text to the hymn from Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. Enoch walked with God. That term, walking with God, is a familiar one within the Hebrew Bible. We read that Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. In Britain, when you began to date somebody, you said you were walking out with somebody. Is that only a British expression? No? Okay. My 14-year-old granddaughter walked out on her first date last night. I told her this morning that I had employed a private investigator to investigate who this person actually is. But it meant, in the biblical terminology, that they had a close relationship with God, one of consistent faith, one of obedience towards him. And yet Cooper, in this particular poem, this hymn, is admitting there are times when that closeness with God is not as vivid as it once was. A time of dryness, a time of distance, 
time when sometimes we long for a more intimate relationship with God, perhaps one that we thought we once had. But now he feels he's lost it. Oh, for a closer walk with God. The hymn is bookended in the first and the final stanzas with that same phrase, phrase, the wishing, the longing, the desire to know God better. And if we're honest, there are times in our lives when we don't often find, always find that God is close, is near, intimate. That's why the second stanza has this question, where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where is the soul refreshing view of Jesus and his word? It's almost as if a friendship has gone sour. Something's happened. The person that you were so close to is no longer as close as they once were. And yet, is God really distant from us? Does God withdraw himself from us? Or is it more likely that perhaps we withdraw ourselves from him? What are the marks of longing for a closer relationship with God? Well, it may be that prayer was once more vivid, more enjoyable, more easy than it is now. When reading scripture, there's a desire that we once had that we have no longer. When worship was engaging and it seems so dry and so distant, has God moved away from us or perhaps have we moved away from God? For Cooper, this is a very real problem. And so he enlarges on it in the third stanza. What peaceful hours I once enjoyed. How sweet their memory still. But they have left a baking, an aching void the world can never fill. The, the prayer resembles the psalm that Dr. Kelly read earlier on. Turn, O Lord, how long? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. There's a sense in which that that gladness, that joy, that satisfaction is no longer there in the psalmist's life. And so he prays, Lord, turn, come back. Don't be so distant from us. The word turn in the Hebrew is the word return. And the psalm constitutes a torrent of imperatives of petitioning God, have compassion, satisfy, make us glad. And Cooper feels the same as he writes this hymn. He knows there's a, a vac an aching void which the things that often we turn to to satisfy can never actually satisfy us. Now, Paul reminds us that God has given us all things richly in this world to enjoy. It's not just spiritual things that God gives us to enjoy, but he gives us all things richly to enjoy. But ultimately, that relationship with God is that which we desire most of all. So like David, we seek God once again. Let the favor of the Lord, says the psalmist, be upon us. Prosper for us the work of our hands. That word favor is a familiar word to us because it's really the word grace. We cannot live our own lives by our own strength. We cannot find in our physical emotion or, or spiritual aspects of our humanity we cannot find that which satisfies without the grace of God working within us. We need grace to help us, to give us satisfaction, to fill that empty void. Reminds us perhaps of that prayer of St. Augustine, you have made us for ourselves, for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. 
Well, Cooper is aware that sometimes we drift. Sometimes we drift in our spiritual lives, and that can be part, if not all, of the root cause of why often he feels distant. So the fourth and the fifth stanzas focus on what may be at the heart of the problem. Return, O holy dove, return. It's a reference to the Holy Spirit, the dove which comes upon Jesus at his baptism. Return, O holy dove, return, sweet messenger of rest. I hate the sins that make thee mourn and drove thee from my breast. Perhaps he's thinking about that prayer of David in Psalm 51. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. The Spirit of God who comes, as Augustine would say, as the kiss of God upon our lives. The Spirit of God who draws us close to himself. The Spirit of God who enables us to pray to God and to cry to him as Abba Father and to know our relationship with Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God dwelling in us and on us to keep us close. Cooper feels that the Spirit of God is distant. And so he prays, return, O holy dove, return. I hate the sins that make thee mourn and drove thee from my breast. Cooper is honest. The psalmist is honest. Peter's honest. In that second reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, Peter knew Jesus before this incident of Jesus coming into his boat. It seems a bit stark. Jesus just suddenly climbs on board the boat. Well, Jesus has already been with Peter and actually healed his mother-in-law a few chapters earlier. So he know, they know each other. But Jesus comes on board and they've been out fishing all night and nothing's happened. And suddenly Jesus says, cast out the nets again. I can feel that Peter's a little bit frustrated because they've just washed their nets. They don't want to cast them out again and have to wash them again. There's no fish out there is what is implied. But suddenly when they cast out the nets, they're so full they've got to have their partners in the business come along and help them get the fish on the boat. Suddenly in that context, Peter is aware of his own need. And he says, Lord, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Nothing wrong with confessing, nothing wrong with admitting that we need the grace of God to forgive us. Cooper continues this idea of confession in the fifth stanza. The dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from my th thy throne and worship only thee. We have the idea that an idol is some kind of statue before which we fall as others might in idolatry. But the Bible expands greatly our understanding of that term. We learn that idolatry is actually an attitude, a state of the mind and of the heart. Paul, for instance, speaks of coveting things as being idolatry. It could be something, it could be someone, or it could be something more abstract or intangible, such as desiring power or popularity. Whatever it is, says Cooper, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. Cooper's aware that he can't do that by himself, so he prays. Help me to tear it from thy throne. Uh, we have to do the tearing down, but we can't do it in our own strength. We need the grace, we need the mercy, we need the forgiveness, we need the, 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 the energy of God to enable us to see that some things are wrong and some things are right. And so to tear anything that is hindering 
the closeness of our relationship with God. These two stanzas speak of a deep resolve in his life to live differently, to return to first things, to repent of anything that hinders his spiritual life. The final verse sees a resolution, resolution he's been struggling with, the absence of God. So he sings and encourages us to join him. So shall my walk be close with God, calm and serene my frame. So purer light shall mark the road that leads me to the Lamb. It's a fascinating hymn. The hymn moves from wistfulness. Where is? Where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? And then there's bold petition. Come, return, holy dove, holy spirit. Help me. And it leads to a confident resolution. Calm and serene. It's a remarkable hymn. It focuses on God. One commentator says in the hymn that it focuses on the triune God. God, Father, probably, in Cooper's mind. But God is also spoken of as a lamb in verse 6, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And at the heart of the hymn, there is the Holy Spirit, the heavenly dove. He manages to weave all these ideas about God, the God who longs to live closely to us, the God with whom we can walk out, the God whom we can walk with. Enoch walked with God. Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God in the cool of the day. It's an honest hymn. It's a hymn that recognizes our need, our failure, our sin, our desertion. But it's a hopeful hymn. It finds resolution in the hope that a calm and serene companionship with God is altogether possible, even in the midst of a busy, busy life. So when we make this hymn a prayer, a prayer for this coming week, a prayer for tomorrow and Wednesday and Friday. Oh, for a closer walk with God, a calm and heavenly frame, a light to shine upon the road that leads me to the Lamb. Shall we sing that hymn as we conclude our worship this morning? You'll find it in the hymn book in number 679, Oh, for a closer walk with God. Shall we stand to sing?
when Tim uh, asked me to give the offertory prayer, two things I saw. One was that he selected for me to do something in the program that was so late in the program he knew that I'd be here by that time. The other is it presented me not only with an opportunity to share the prayer, but also for those of you that uh, uh, passed the collection plate, I'm certain that over the years you've noticed that I never put anything in the collection plate. And the reason for that is I mail mine in. So it gives me an opportunity to explain to you when I don't make contact and I look away when you come around with a collection plate that I'm actually mailing it in. And the reason is because I was raised in a church where we had Pledge Sunday, and if you didn't get your pledge in, you got a visit from one of the deacons or one of the church members. And I have always made it a point that I wanted to have my Sunday afternoons uninterrupted by visits from deacons and church personnel. So just to share that with you. Will you bow your heads? Lord, we come to you humbly at this time. And we make these offerings not because we must, but because we may. We do this in recognition that you are our God. And whether these offerings come from wages or salary or a 401k plan or a pension that's been well planned, uh, perhaps even from uh, the generosity of friends or relatives or even strangers, they all have one thing in common, and that is that this provision to each one of us is made from you, and we recognize that. We pray that you'll bless these offerings and that you will also give special insight into those that make the decisions about how these offerings will be used, they'll be used in a manner that pleases you. In Christ's name, amen.
receive these tithes and offerings, Lord, for they are gifts from our heart. They are a part of our worship of you. May they be used to carry forth your kingdom's work in this community and beyond. Amen. Would you be seated for just a moment, please? Just uh, two or three things I wanted to call your attention. First, let me welcome all those who may be guests with us today. We're glad that you're here and hope that you will linger long enough. Out in the narthex there, we have a reception for those, uh, both members and guests alike, just to uh, get a chance to meet you. And also encourage you to be back this evening as we have Jazz Vespers downstairs in Drennan Hall. Uh, Cheryl was unable to be here today because she's playing for another church, but she'll be here this evening, and um, she always... Uh, they always have a, a real good uh, presentation of music, jazz music, but also the fellowship we enjoy is outstanding always. Hope you'll be here for that. And then also on Wednesday, a new series, Habits, uh, Holy Habits, which is spirituality for the 21st century that Dr. Roxborough is uh, leading on Wednesday night. You'll want to come and be a part of, of that too. One of the things that I mentioned earlier, the, the uh, Prince here, I want hope that you will take time to go down and see some of these. I want to thank uh, Chris McClendon and, and Rusty Bennett for hanging all these down there, but there's about close to 50, I think, totally total down there. And it does give a lot of information about what's going on around the world. And some of these are in places not too far from here. Others are uh, halfway around the world. So you'll want to uh, take time to do that and to uh, view those and see what some of the work, uh, some of the work that goes on uh, by the Corporate Baptist through partnering missions around the world. And then, of course, we have our um, men's Bible study, uh, which uh, Charlie leads on Wednesday, and uh, we won't come over there this afternoon. You have, you have made a disclaimer, we will not bother you on Sunday afternoon again, okay? <laughs> well, I mean, on, we will not bother him this afternoon, but he does lead that. We will not come and bother him about his offering anytime. So... Uh, but it is on Thursday at noon, and then we have our uh, communion service that evening uh, in Memorial Chapel at 530. As we go, remember the opportunities we have to be Christ's presence in this community and beyond. And we go out with the joy of Christ in our heart and the promises of his faithfulness to us always. We know the Holy Spirit is upon us to refresh and renew us day by day in our living.